Acts chapter 2 this morning. We are in the uh, fourth week on our uh, series on spiritual disciplines, and we've been looking at this from, a, from the aspect of spiritual disciplines are there for us in order for us to gain spiritual health. They're there to make us healthy, and spiritual health, it, it defined scripturally, would be to be godly to be like Christ, to, to be like him. And, um, and we've been talking about that concept over the last uh, several weeks. And so what we've looked at so far is um, how these spiritual disciplines are there for us, but, but we have to go beyond just knowing about them because you can know and have all the head knowledge about spiritual disciplines from the word of God, but if you don't actually apply them, then they don't do you any good. And so uh, we looked at that. And then we also, uh, the last two weeks, we've been looking specifically at some of those disciplines, we looked at the discipline of, of spiritual food, uh, which is the Word of God and how we need spiritual food in our life, just as you need good physical food for you to be nourished and have good health. Physically, you need good spiritual food, which is the Word of God. And then last week, we looked at how we need to have healthy conversation. And that's not with each other so much as it is with God. Now, we are going to talk about what I call healthy conversation with people, but it's not called that today. Uh, but we need to have healthy conversation with God, and that's prayer. And uh, prayer and the study of God's Word are two vital aspects um, of spiritual disciplines that we need if we're going to gain spiritual health. And this week, we're going to look at the third one, which is also a vital principle uh, to being spiritually healthy, and it's the idea of biblical fellowship. So if you have your Bibles open in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says this. Now, what had happened before I read this, uh, you know, the Pentecost has come, Peter has preached, and, uh, and they've kind of, the, the same group of people that he denied Christ to, now he's preaching uh, Christ to, and he's talking to them, and it's telling about how um, people were saved in this time frame. And then in verse 42, it says this, that after all these souls were added to them, in verse 42 it says this, and they continued, they being the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and now as we begin to examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and the spirit living in me would increase today, and the words that will be shared would be yours. Father, I, I know that you have a word for us today, each of us. You know where we're at with you. We, you know our point of need this morning. You know exactly what we need to hear. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would just be in this place and that would um, just speak to us in a very special way today. And, Father, that you'd receive the glory and the honor for that is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. When we talk about fellowship, it's something that I think in the church has been maybe misdefined or mischaracterized or maybe not so much that as much as overemphasized in one aspect and left out on another aspect. And we're going to kind of see that as we go through. And for us to really grasp what biblical fellowship is today I really want 
point out three things to you about biblical fellowship from, from Scripture and, and talk to us about that for how it makes us and helps us gain spiritual health. The first thing that I want us to see is what fellowship really is. I want to define fellowship uh, for you. Now, when you think of the word fellowship, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? I know for me, <clears throat> growing up, when I heard the word fellowship, I thought of food because that's the only time that word was used in the church. We're going to have a, a fifth Sunday fellowship meal. I, matter of fact, we're having one of those today, faith family fellowship meal. And, and so we, I heard that word, and it was always correlated, it seemed like, to some kind of food event, whether or not it was a meal or a, a meeting at someone's house for snacks or whatever. That was really the only way that word was used, and so um, that was what I thought of, and in the church, I think that's what a lot of people correlate fellowship to is probably what, what I would call the social aspect where we reduce fellowship to a good meal or, uh, or the time that we go places together and do things together. Um, for some people, fellowship means no more than coming together for church events, I and mean, that's what they consider fellowship. I mean, we have in our church, we have a fellowship hall. That's what we call it, a fellowship hall. We have our fellowship dinners. We have our fellowship meetings. So we hear this, but, but what is biblical fellowship? Is that really all fellowship is? I would say to you, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts chapter 2, it's distinguished from food in that text. If you go back and look at it in verse 42 again, look at what it says. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayer. Okay, and so the breaking of bread and fellowship are not always together. They are two events. Now, fellowship can involve food, but all fellowship doesn't involve food. And, and that's really what I want to tell you this morning is I want to get to the idea of what this word fellowship really means. Well, the word used in the New Testament translated fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And, and, it, and it literally means this. It, it means joint participation or to share in anything. It, it's the example of, or for an example, it'd be like being a partner, uh, an associate, a comrade, or a companion or a sharer in something. So you have uh, a joint participation. There's something that you are doing with one another. It, it means to have something in common, not just on the service, but deep within you. And in the relation to the church, fellowship would be the shared bond or the common partnership that we have with each other based off what we have in common. Well, what do we, as the church, what do we have in common? Well, when you read down through here, there are several things that is talked about, and that's not really the direction I want to take the sermon this morning, but it is there. There are several things that we have in common. Number one, we have um, a, a mutual shared faith. As the church, we have one faith, and that faith is in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have a, a shared partnership in our faith. We, we have a shared partnership in the gospel, the good news. There's only one good news, and that is what? Jesus Christ. For no one can come unto the Father unless they come through Jesus Christ. So we have a shared partnership in our faith. We have a shared partnership in our gospel of Christ. Uh, we have a shared partnership in the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God is Scripture. We believe Scripture is the Word of God, the literal Word of God. We talked about this two weeks ago. We are to uh, stand on that word of God. We are to defend that word of God, and we are to live by that word of God. Therefore, we have a shared 
partnership in the word. And the third or the last one that's mentioned in our text is in their worship. They had a partnership in worship. Now, worship is not just our music, but that's a big part of it, okay? Um, and I haven't talked to Brother Justin about this, but, but um, I, I used to do what he's been doing. I used to do worship ministry where I led the music of the church. And one of the things that I would notice was uh, not everyone participated in worship. I, I mean, it's, it's there. There are some that are worshiping. There's some that are worshiping in silence, but you can still tell they're worshiping. And then there's some who are just checked out and they're not worshiping at all. So what I mean by that is just by coming in here doesn't make you a partner in worship. You actually have to be involved. But when they were together, they worshiped God together through singing, through the study of God's word, through prayer, and they were corporately involved. They had a partnership in their worship. They had a mutual partnership in which they desired to glorify God in their worship. And so there are some things that you and I, as Christians, if you're a Christian, that we're to have in common, and therefore that's our fellowship. We have a common mutual um, partnership in the gospel, in faith, in Christ, the word, and in our worship. And the early church was devoted to this kind of worship, or this kind of fellowship. They were devoted to this kind of partnership. And that devotion led that church to grow. If you look at the, the last text of chapter uh, 2, verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. God used these things in their life and in the life of their church to grow their church. And so there's great building power in fellowship with one another. And that's really where I want to spend the rest of our time this morning. There are two things specifically from Scripture that having good fellowship will build in our lives. The first one is fellowship, good fellowship, true fellowship builds relationships. It builds your relationships. When I was a youth pastor, I, I used to have students that would um, kind of come in and out of the youth ministry and uh, they, they'd come a week, then they'd be gone two, three weeks, and then they'd come a week, be gone for six weeks, and then come a week. And when they were there, they never got involved. They, they, they kind of sat by themselves. They, they didn't, when we, when we played any kind of game or something to draw us together, they kind of, I don't, I don't want to do that. They just didn't want to be involved with that and whatever. And then they'd stop coming, and I would see them and say, hey, I miss you in a while. Where, where have you been? Or we'd love to have you back. And, and I would hear this a lot. Well, I just don't have any friends there. I don't have any relationships there. And one of the things that I got to where I would ask them in a nice way was, well, what do you do when you come to build relationships? You see, there, we, we, we want everybody else to do the work when it comes to building relationships, but true relationships are built by two people working in mutual partnership to build that relationship. And when we have good fellowship, when we have that partnership, that will actually help develop our relationships. I've seen people leave the church, and when you ask them about that, they're like, well, I don't really have any relationships with anybody there. Well, it, when you got to looking at a lot of them, some of them, um, they, they, they were, they'd come into church late, and they'd leave as soon as it was over. They didn't stick around. They didn't talk to anybody. 
Uh, many of them simply never came. They never came. They may come to the church service, but they never came to anything separate. They didn't come to any fellowship events. They didn't come to any activities, mission trips, camps. They didn't do any of that, and, and they don't have any relationships. And then they say, well, I don't come because I don't have relationships, and they wanted everybody else to do the work. But the thing of the matter is it takes effort to build a relationship, and it's got to be effort on both parts. And when you and I have a mutual partnership in the gospel, in Christ, in our worship, in our prayer, that brings us and draws us together in order for us to build a common relationship with one another. I, I shared this example several years ago uh, with, uh, I, I think I used Brother Chuck and Brother Brandon when he was here. And we had that cross pulpit, and we had it right here, and, and I put them down there at an angle. There was one there and one there, and then I told them to kind of take a step towards the cross, and I moved out of the way. They represent each other, and the, the pulpit represented Christ, and the thing about that is, is as you draw closer to Christ, you draw closer together like a triangle. I used to use that in, in my, I still do actually in my premarital counseling. If you've got one person growing, growing closer to Christ, another one not growing closer to Christ, they're still just as far apart. But if two people starting here, as they grow closer to Jesus, they grow closer together. And that's how our relationships are built. As we come together and as we worship together and we have a common participation in, in the gospel, in Christ, in our prayer, and in our worship, we build natural relationships with one another. So our fellowship, having good fellowship, actually builds relationships with one another. And so if you want to build a good friendship or a good relationship in the church, you actually have to get involved with the things the church does, not just their activities, not just their events, but their actual worship, their actual investment of the gospel. I'll give you some great ways you can do that. You can get involved with that through serving at Children's Falls Creek. You can get involved with that by serving at Vacation Bible School. You can get involved with that by going to Youth Falls Creek. You can get involved with that when we have an outreach event in the fall, like our fall festival, and you come and, and you, get, you get to spend time partnering with other believers for the same purpose to glorify Christ and to meet other people. And so there's plenty of opportunities for you to build these kind of fellowship-based relationships, but that takes it takes effort on your part. You cannot expect these good relationships to be built if you're not fellowshipping with other Christians. It just doesn't happen. And so good fellowship builds has the building power to bring good relationships. But here's the thing. When you and I have good fellowship that's built good relationships, that good fellowship that has brought good relationships will do the second thing, and that is it will actually help build your faith. Having good fellowship with one another through strong relationships will help you build your faith. Now, to, to do this and point this out this morning, I'm going to show you four ways. Now, in your bulletin, if you're looking at your bulletin notes, it'll have a word and it says offers, like it says fellowship offers this. I want you to change those words. Offers is not a bad word, but builds is a better word. It builds this. And there's four of them that I want to give you. Number one, fellowship, good fellowship, true fellowship, okay, builds accountability. It builds accountability in you and I's life. We've, we've been correlating this idea of spiritual health with physical diet and exercise uh, over the last several weeks. And when, 
when you're exercising and dieting, one of the hardest parts for me and what I found to be hardest for most people is uh, doing it all by yourself. When you're the only one that is trying to get healthy, when you're the only one eating right, when you're the only one exercising, you're the only one trying to do it right in your home or at your work, and you're the only one there, and you're trying to do it all by yourself. Uh, And one particular reason for this is that when you're doing this by yourself, you don't have anyone to hold you accountable. You don't have anybody there to make sure that you're sticking to your plan or sticking to your word and doing what you've set out to do. Actually, what you end up having when you don't have an accountability partner in that is you end up having a bunch of stumbling blocks put right in front of you that make it almost impossible to to make this work. When years ago, before we moved here, I'd, I'd been at Ada for several months, and I'm a Uh, And I'll admit it, I'm an emotional eater. That's just, I like, when I get depressed, food makes me happy. And so I'll I'll eat. And and when when I was at Ada and I was separated from my family and was trying to get my house sold so they could move to Ada and things weren't working out in the church, I was depressed and I was there four or five days a week by myself. And so I found myself for the first time in my life eating ice cream. I had never been an ice cream fan. And I'd go buy, uh, you know, a tub of ice cream, and I would just down that stuff. And it, long story short, when I left Ada, I had gained like 40 pounds. And, uh, and, and when I moved back to Lone Grove and I was back with my family, I wanted, to, I wanted to, to get healthy again. And so I set on out on this diet plan. I was exercising, and I was doing, but I was the only one in the household doing it. And I was doing really well and, until one night I, I came in, and I would went for a jog, and I came in the house, and I walked in the front door, and there's my wife and um, my two oldest kids, and my youngest one was still uh, just crawling around on the floor, so she wasn't involved, but the other two were. And they were sitting on the couch with a bowl of brownie batter, and they were eating it by the spoonful. Just, And I was like, what are y'all doing? Don't you understand how hard this is for me? And they were like, they just thought, well, you, you can do it on your own. And I, I was like, man, get behind me, Satan. I am trying to make things right. You are not helping me at all. And listen, when you and I try to do anything by ourselves, we have stumbling blocks. And when you don't have someone there and you do stumble, you don't, you don't have anybody there to help you up. Or you don't have anybody there to hold you accountable. And in our spiritual lives, the same thing is true. You and I need accountability in our spiritual lives to help us grow in our faith. You and I need spiritual accountability. And when we come together and we build relationships with one another, that builds accountability. Because I don't know anyone that likes being corrected from someone they don't have a relationship with. I don't know about you, but I've gotten on to my kids before in a public place to be reprimanded by someone who didn't know me, and that did not go very well. We don't want to be corrected by people we have no relationship with. None of I, I, you may, I don't, I haven't met anybody that says, yeah, just anybody in the world can correct me. No, but, but there are people in our lives, right, that can walk in our door and hold it for the lack of a better word, hold our feet to the fire and hold us accountable. And we receive it because we have a relationship with them. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they want God's will and what's best for me. But the only way that happens is through good 
relationships, and good relationships come through good fellowship. So when we have accountability, God can use that to help strengthen and build our faith. Number two, good relationships that come from good fellowship will also build assistance in our life. They build assistance, not just accountability, but actual help. You know, when I'm lifting weights, and I do still lift weights quite often, I lift three or four days a week. I was, gonna, I was actually going to use Noah this morning, but I just didn't have time to bring everything up there. But uh, one of the things that really uh, makes me just shiver just uh, in the weight room is when I see someone in there, and they're lifting heavy weight without a spotter. That just, that just scares me. And the reason why is because there have been a lot of people who have been killed lifting weights by themselves without help. They didn't have assistance, and it cost them their life. There was a running back at East Central the year before I walked on and, 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 and played football there. His name was Curtis McAfee. And uh, when I got on the football team, they had a wall, and it was the record setters of every position at East Central. And Curtis McAfee had the, the bench press record for the running backs. His bench press was over 400 pounds for a kid that only weighed about 205. That's a lot of weight. And the season ended in November. In January, so just two months later, he comes into the wellness center where I worked, and he was in there, and he was going to lift weights. And I was kind of watching him. That was part of my job. And I looked over, and he put 315 pounds on the bar. Now, that, for a lot of people, that's a lot of weight. But if you're bench pressing over 400 pounds, it's not all that much. And he goes over there, and he, 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 he brings it down, and he lifts it once, and he brings it back down a second time, and this is where I started to notice that, that the next time he brought it, he only got it about halfway. And then he brought it down again. He was controlling it, and then he tried to push it again, and it was just not quite halfway. And then, and then all of a sudden, he looked over at me laying there like that, and his eyes got really big. And I was like, you need help? <laughs> and I ran over there, and I helped him pull the weight off of him. And his words were, I would have never thought that only two months off would cost me that much. He was like, I'm so glad you're here. He couldn't get the weight off of him. If I hadn't have been there, Curtis McAfee probably would have died because that weight would have come down right across the center of his chest. That's a lot of weight. And that's why it scares me because of the stories I've seen and because of the examples like that where this guy's strong enough, just, but that's just not wise. It scares me when I see people lifting without a spotter. Listen, those spotters are there to give you assistance when you need assistance. You and I as Christians, we need help sometimes. We need it. There have been many times in my Christian life where I have tried to shoulder heavy burdens, heavy situations, maybe severe temptations, and, and often trying to do that by myself led to disaster because I wasn't strong enough to lift it. But that's not what Christ desires for his followers. Listen, Jesus gives us an example of this. When he sent his disciples out, he never sent them out by themselves. He always sent them out at least two by two. He never sent them out alone to do this by themselves. Listen, church, there's no such thing, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. 
He has never intended us to do this by ourselves. We need one another. And one of the things we need is help with one another. James said it like this, or sorry, Paul said it like this in Galatians 6 2. He says, Carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. But here's the thing. You and I have been brought up and live in a culture where it is not considered, quote, proper to ask for help. That's just not what we do, especially if you're a man. Right? You don't ever stop and ask for directions because that's not manly. You don't ask for help because that's not proper. You're just not supposed to do that. It's actually considered a sign of weakness. But spiritually, it's the way in which our faith is built up by sharing one another's burdens together. And good fellowship is what enables us to do that. I'm not going to go to just anyone and share my troubles. I'm not going to go to just anyone and share my temptations and my burdens, my hurts, my fears. But I do go to the ones I have good fellowship with because that fellowship has built strong relationship with them, and I trust them, and they help me. So good fellowship builds great relationships that actually build good assistance. And then thirdly, fellowship, good fellowship that comes from good relationships builds asylum. Now, some of you are like, that's a big word, or I've never heard that word before. Don't worry, I was just trying to find a word that started with A. (laughs) But the, the word asylum literally means safety or shelter. When you and I have good relationship with one another, when we have good fellowship with one another, it builds a place of safety with one another. Brother John was talking about this this morning in his Sunday school class. Sometimes we don't share our prayer requests because we don't trust everybody that's going to hear it is actually going to use it to pray for us. Sometimes we don't share because we think they're going to spread it as gossip. And unfortunately, that does happen. But you know where it doesn't happen? In good fellowship that's been built by strong relationships. And and so we need this time where we can be one another. I I love this idea um, where we can be ourselves. I I love (laughs) the great theologian Rocky Balboa would say it like this, the world life will beat you to the ground and keep you there permanent if you let it. And and we need this place. I mean, we get attacked from a hundred different, if you're a Christian in our culture, you're going to get attacked. And we get attacked from a hundred different directions, whether or not it's from the world or by Satan or by something silly we do ourselves or some ignorant thing that we did on our own. We get these attacks in our lives that we face, we struggle with, and the, the fellowship provides a shelter where we can come in and be safe and feel the grace and the mercy and the love of God in truth through his word. That's why I say this, that, that we can expect to have that happen on the outside of the walls of this church. You can expect to be beaten down. You can expect to be attacked. You can expect that when you make a mistake that the world is going to kick you while you're down. But when you come together in love and grace and mercy in the truth of God's word, this ought to be a shelter for you. We are a hospital for the sick. That that means you don't shoot your wounded. You protect them. You help them. Now, that doesn't mean sugarcoat anything, but it does mean you refuse to get in on the beating. That's what it means. 
And, and we need that. We need that. We need to be able to come together in truth and come together in, in, in the shelter so that we cannot feel judged or criticized, but we can come together in a place where we find the peace and the safety and the fellowship of other brothers and sisters who are going to tell us the truth from God's word. They're going to love on us and give us grace and mercy and pray for us and try to help us not continue to push us further down. And that comes through strong fellowship. I've been in some churches that absolutely have no fellowship, and you know one of the worst things in the world is the people in that church that ended up finding themselves in trouble. Because as soon as they walked back in the door, they were attacked again and again and again and again. And then, when they, and then the church was like, why'd they leave? It's not like we kicked them out. Yeah, you didn't kick them out, but you sure didn't show much love when they came in either. It's terrible. And that comes from a church that has no fellowship. And so we need good fellowship because it helps build asylum. And then number four, the last thing, is having good fellowship builds great relationships that lead to authentic faith. One of the greatest principles for growth, I believe, is being authentic, being transparent, not putting on a show. Most of us are really good at putting on a show. You get in the car, you're driving to church on Sunday morning, husband and wife are at each other's neck, Kids in the back crying, screaming about not getting what donut for breakfast that he wanted, and you're hollering back there, be quiet, and maybe some other words other than be quiet, and uh, you, you, you're fighting, you're, you're, you're angry, you pull into church, you park, we're going to pick this up when we get home. You get out of the car, you shut your door, you walk in the door, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine, I'm good, how are you? And the reality is, it's because nobody wants to hear, I'm terrible, my wife and I are fighting, my kid won't behave, he's griping because he didn't get a donut this morning. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. So half the time we ask, I mean, have you ever done that, by the way? Anybody ever ask you how you're doing, you just decided to be real with them? I, I, I try that sometime. The look on their face would be priceless, like a deer in headlights. I, okay. I mean, they don't know how to handle that. But, but we've, we're good at that. We, we, we put on a show. We, we know how to do that. But when, but when I've got good fellowship with someone, I can be real. I, I can go to their house and plop down there on their couch and I can tell them what I'm struggling with. I can be transparent. I can be open. I don't have to be a pretender. I don't have to put on the right clothes and, and look the right way and put on the right smile that's doing no hiding from God at all, just hiding it from everyone else and therefore not getting what I need through the fellowship of my brothers and sisters in Christ because I can't be transparent with them. But when I have a good fellowship, then I can be authentic. And when I'm authentic, I finally reach the point where I can begin to grow. You know, one of the reasons why some of us don't grow in our faith is because we refuse to admit where we're falling short. And the reason why we f refuse to admit where we're falling short is because we're afraid to admit it to other people. We're afraid to go to other people and talk to them. We're afraid to do what James tells the church to do when he says, confess your sins one to another. Confess them. Matter of fact, that's in the context of healing. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
And it's not just physical healing, church, it's spiritual healing. And there's some churches that need some major spiritual healing. And that spiritual healing comes through being confessing your sin to one another, being honest with one another. And listen, we need a church and a fellowship that, that is a place where it builds authenticity in our lives because we know when we come in, we're going to find accountability, not judgment. We're going to find assistance, not resistance. We're going to find asylum, not condemnation. That is what the church is supposed to be. That's why the early church grew. They grew because they had dynamic fellowship. They had a dynamic partnership in the gospel, in the, their faith, in the word, and in prayer. They were a partner in that. They were a partner with each other. They, they had all things in common. They, they didn't just do this other stuff. They just loved each other, and they loved God in authentic faith. I love this text. I'll read it to you, and I'll be done. Look at verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord, they were unified. That's another byproduct of fellowship is unity. Just didn't have time to do them all this morning. With one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they, they ate with one another all the time. But I like this. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart. The hardest thing about being authentic is you have to keep you have to keep the show going. But they just ate with simplicity of heart. They just were who they were. They were authentic. They loved each other. They loved God. They had a companionship and a partnership in the gospel and that had built strong relationships with one another which built their faith. You and I are in desperate need of good fellowship in order to be spiritually healthy.